This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we gather today to worship you, we ask that you would go really deep into our hearts and that you would let us see the seriousness, the gravity of sin and then be overwhelmed by the power and joy of the rescue you made for us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. Did you catch any of the funeral for Queen Elizabeth II? Only saw a little bit of it, but very, very reverent, filled with tradition, a solemn time. Over the past couple of weeks, millions, literally millions upon millions of people have mourned her passing. Some considered her a benevolent monarch and and others questioned her heart. But with her passing came also the passing of the throne. Prince Charles is no longer Prince Charles, but King Charles III. This transition of power was peaceful as expected and according to the Constitution. And while the monarch of the United Kingdom is mostly symbolic, do understand that King Charles III will have significant power and influence over people. Today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're continuing our series, Origins, study of the the first part of the book of Genesis, which means beginnings or or origins, and today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the beginnings, the origins of sin and pain and suffering and death and also the beginnings of the restoration and the rescue and the redemption of all people. And so today, as we study the scriptures, I'm going to ask you to dive into your heart and answer this question. Who is king of your life? Because understand, whoever is king of your life will have significant influence and power, not only for today, but for all eternity. The battle for who would be king in your life began a long time ago, long before you and I were ever born. You see, on this one day when Eve was 
walking in a really serene setting. Among all the, the flowers and, and the bushes, there was a, a gentle whisper of wind that caressed her face, keeping her refreshed as she stared up high at the green trees that soared into the heavens. It was awesome. And then her walk was interrupted. This is what the scripture says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And we could spend some time on the, the peculiarities of this part of the scriptures, the strangeness of this whole setting, but we're just gonna cut to the chase and get to the heart of the matter. And here's the heart of the matter is Satan wants to appear to be super friendly to Eve, wants to be on her side. But the real deal is, is he wants to conquer her heart in a hostile takeover and be king of her life. Scripture says this of Satan. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Just translated really easy. What Satan is saying there is, I want to be the king of kings. I want to be God. I want to be king in your life. And Satan begins this persuasive conversation with Eve. He tries to get her to doubt God. Did God really say? And then he tries to make God seem unfair. You can't eat from any tree in the garden. Then he calls God a liar. You won't certainly die. And then he promises something awesome. Hey, then your eyes will be open. You'll be free. You'll be like God. Understand, Satan is your enemy. He is a liar. He manipulates the truth. And just as he went to Eve and tempted her in those ways, he'll do the same to you and me. He'll try to get us to doubt God. He'll make us go, gosh, that's, that's not fair, God. Say, God's a liar, man. No one's going to get hurt. 
And he'll promise us amazing things. It'll be good. You'll be like God. You can be God of your own life. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It is a vicious spiritual battle for your heart. Who is king of your life? Satan wants to be king of your life. So Adam and Eve, they bought into what Satan was selling, and then they made the willful decision to take fruit from the one tree in the whole world, Take fruit from the one tree in the whole world, just one they weren't supposed to eat from, and they took it from that one tree. And this is what the scripture says. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They didn't think it was going to be bad. They thought it was going to be good. The fruit looked good too. It's got to be good. They thought it was going to be great. But it was anything great. It was horrible. They sinned. They disobeyed God. They were undone. They were completely naked in every way possible. Their eyes were open to the evil that they had done. It changed everything. And there was no going back. What were they supposed to do? Regurgitate the, the fruit? Try to put it back together and hang it back up on the tree? It was horrible. Panic time. What do we do now? The formerly intelligent Adam, remember last week, Pastor Ben talked about how, how Adam was like a zoologist. He named all the animals in the whole world. That formerly intelligent Adam now comes up with a plan. He says to Eve, you know, we've got to hide. Okay. We've got to hide from the all-knowing present God everywhere, you know, so we just got to hide from him. Even though he knows everything's present everywhere, we've got to hide. Really? 
How are we gonna do that? Some leaves. Really? Even if he covered his whole body with the leaves like the Bushman on TikTok, you think God isn't gonna see this? It didn't work, right? So he came up with another plan. The scripture says, the man said, um, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. The other ridiculous thing they did with their sin was they played the blame game. Eve goes, Satan made me do it. Adam, man, Adam was bold. It was the woman, God. It was the woman you gave me. It's your fault, God. Really? It's your fault, God. Oh, how things had changed from just minutes before when she was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And you know this, you may not have realized this, but you know, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, when sin infected them, it didn't just infect them, it infected all humanity. Because just as apple trees produce apples, so sinful human beings produce sinful human beings. Scripture says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came, to all people, because all said. Have you ever tried to hide your sin? Maybe you don't even really know what sin is, but there was this thing, I, nobody can know about this. Well, now you know what sin is, it's that thing. It doesn't work. Can't hide anything from the all-knowing present everywhere, God. Have you ever blamed anyone for what you said, for what you did, for what you thought? Like Jackie's daughter, Alyssa. One day, she was making a masterpiece with crayon on our living room wall. It was phenomenal. She was going to town on it. And Jackie walked in behind. Alyssa, are you drawing on the wall? Startled. She turns around. No, it was Andrew, her brother. When notified by Jackie that Andrew was not at home, amazingly quick, in a nanosecond. I don't know how she came up with it so quick. She goes, the dog did it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the crayon is still in her hand. Have you ever blamed someone else for your drawing on the wall? 
Have you ever blamed someone else for what you said, what you did, what you thought? Sin makes us think we're above the law. We, we can get away with it. We'll figure it out. Sin's worse than we think. Have you ever been confused in life? Maybe you heard a, a sermon and it was just on the, the power and the beauty and the change of a, a Christian life. And you're going, hmm, well, that, that really doesn't quite sound like my life. Or maybe you heard someone's testimony about how the gospel transformed their life in absolutely every area of their life. It's completely different. And you're thinking, man, I, I haven't experienced that. Or maybe you've seen some, some videos or you bought a, a book on Amazon or a, a bookstore on, on Christian self-help and, and you followed all the things, but your life, it's, it's not like what they said. You, you keep with the same struggles, the same sin, the same mostly secret sin, so you think, or you thought previous to today. And while you got these secret sins going on, what's really going on too at the same time is you got the backpack of pride that you're carrying with you. And in the backpack of pride, there's these heavy, heavy weights of doubts and stress and faults and failures, and weaknesses, and guilt, and shame. And you wonder, are the burdens ever gonna go away? It's so heavy. You know that's not just you, right? That's the person sitting next to you, too. That's your neighbor. That's the, the person you're driving by in the car. It's me, too. It's heavy. One of the followers of Jesus, a guy by the name of Paul, he's just super transparent as he describes himself and all of us when he says, so I, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? 
See, as human beings, we were created to love God and reflect his goodness. But sin has come along and makes us less than human. Prevents us from doing what we were created to be and do. Sin ruins our relationship with God. It's like if I had a glass and I, and I dropped it, that's sin, and that glass shatters. Sin has shattered our relationship with God. There's pieces here and pieces there. There's microscopic pieces all over. We could never, ever even begin to put it back together again. And if we tried, it would look so much different than the original. Sin has messed us up. Again, proof of it is this, is we think that we can put it back together again by our good works, by our comparisons, by trying harder. It won't work. The consequences of sin are, are great. Scripture says to the woman, he said, God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to the children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. The consequences, the result of sin is all the pain and all the suffering and all the weaknesses in our life and death. The consequences of sin are all the hopelessness, all the heavy heart, all the grief, all the despair, all the distress, all the regret, all the guilt, all the shame, all the sin. And again, death. If you ever think that sin isn't that big a deal, just go to the hospital and see the pain and the suffering and the heartache. If you ever think that, that sin isn't that big a deal, just, just hop in to a counseling session. And see how bad it hurts and what's happened because of it. If you think that sin isn't that big a deal, just think about all the struggles and all the trials and all the difficulties and all the resentment and all the misunderstandings. 
and all those kinds of things that are in your life. If you ever think that sin isn't that big a deal, go visit a funeral home. If you ever think sin isn't that big a deal, just walk to the cross of Jesus. That sin, with all that pain and all that suffering, wants us to think that we can work it out on our own. Really? Who is king of your life? Your sinful nature wants to be king in your life. Your enemy Satan wants to be king in your life. Your sinful nature wants to be king in your life. Thankfully, those aren't the only options. Just one more. Scripture says this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Adam and Eve, In shock and panic, they just ate fruit. Things had changed. You've got to hide. You've got to blame all this stuff. In the middle of that, into the middle of that chaos, God shows up and offers restoration, redemption, and renewal of our relationship with him. Into the middle of that mess, God steps in and says, I'm going to fight for you. This, this fight, it's not going to go down easy. But you and I will never have to lift a finger. This fight will cost more than any battle in the history of the world. In fact, you can put all the battles together, the past, and any might happen in the future. won't come anywhere close to the cost of this battle. But it won't cost you and me anything, but it costs God's son his life. For some of you, you'll remember where that, the heat of the battle, the apex, that happened. It's just outside Jerusalem. Here's a depiction of that scene. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth. the king. 
And just as promised, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering all sin, all death, and Satan himself. So he would be not only your savior, but your king who is making everything new, including you. See, King Jesus, he loves you. Reckless love, we just say. Scripture says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus paid the cost. And now King Jesus brings grace and mercy and restored relationship for you and me. Who is king of your life? Jesus is the only rightful king. Have you been running from your king? Trying to hide your sin, blaming others? Or do you see your king loves you and welcomes your sin to take it away from you, to remove your burdens? That very first promise of the Savior. Again, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. King Jesus is still here. And he's still fighting for you. All of us struggle with one degree or another with anxiety and stress and pride and jealousy and lust and resentment and anger and hatred and all those things and more. And that sin does separate us from God. But there's one greater than our sin. That's Jesus His grace and his mercy is bigger than our sin. And so as he reaches out, he not only takes our sin away from us, he reaches out and picks us up and carries us close to his heart in a renewed relationship. Let's pray. Lord God, we've, we've gone down many tracks in our life. Lord God, yours is the ways of unfailing love. Yours is the way that, that actually works. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You're our king. Help us to worship you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast. 
brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.